Let's pray. Father, we do, uh, we do look forward tonight, God, just uh, what you're going to do in our hearts. Lord, we do want to uh, grow closer to you and we want to understand you. We want you, God, to do that work. So I do pray that we could get stuff out of the way, Lord, that you would remove the distractions and the things that can draw us away from hearing you and let us focus and be attentive with you. And, and God, again, as we get into your word, as you're speaking to a group of believers a couple thousand years ago, Lord, I know that the same stuff applies to us. So I do pray, Lord, once again, that you would, you would have your way with us and most of all, God, we would be, we'd be encouraged and strengthened, and God, you would be blessed in this time. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we started in chapter five, and remember, this whole section's about being imitators of God, and the fact that we have been born again, there should be some kind of evidence of that in our, life, in our lives. There should be some kind of difference. So kind of keep that in mind. And then the fact that uh, tonight we're going to really focus on and pay some, uh, a little bit more attention to the idea that we are light. And we need, to, we need to understand that. We need to get a hold of that. I, I think in John chapter 8, when Jesus, remember, he's in Jerusalem. He's at the Feast of Tabernacles. It's towards the end of it. And he stands up and Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. And when he said that, that whole uh, understanding the idea of what, what was going on there, Jesus was in Jerusalem at the temple area, and during that first century, they had these humongous candelabras that they would put up, and, and, and uh, the bulbs on them held like five gallons of oil. So you can imagine, they're humongous things. And these torches would go, and they would light them at night, and it would not just light up the temple area, it would light up most of Jerusalem. And they would burn these things. And then right at that time is when he stands up and says that. So makes it a little bit more, gives you a little bit more visual for the context of what was going on. The people were doing that during the Feast of Tabernacles to also celebrate the fact that, remember, Jesus led them by that pillar of fire at night. Every time I think about that, I think of, you know, that, that whole miraculous thing. I don't know about you guys, but I think if every night before I went to sleep, there was a pillar of fire out there like guiding me. And then I got up in the morning and there was a pillar of cloud. I think I, I think I might like think, wow, I think God's around. So all of that, and I think, and then now Paul is writing to a group of people thousands of years later, obviously. But he's also writing, remember last week we talked about in Ephesus, they had that pagan temple to Diana. And it was gross. That was some gross worship. They had male, female prostitutes like crazy around that temple. And then remember we talked about they had that, that quarter mile thick circumference around the temple that was the safe zone. So no matter what you did criminally, if you could get to that safe zone, you'd be all right. So that was probably a really nice place to hang out, you think? There's some gross stuff going on. Now, that's what, and listen, man, that's what the people of Ephesus, the church in Ephesus was surrounded with. Now, I want to say that because sometimes we think we got it rough, right? We think, man, how, how, how immoral and gross can a society get? I think that's a picture of it. And I don't think we're quite there yet. So all of that's going on, and 
Paul writes to this church that's struggling. They're kind of thinking about, hey, maybe I should go back to some of that. Maybe I should do some of that. Remember, they're Gentiles. They came out of that. And he says, you guys, remember who you are. That's the first few chapters, right? You're saved. This is what's happened to you. And now he gets to chapter five and he starts, hey, be imitators of God. So he throws that out there, listen, and then he talks about don't be imitators of the darkness and talks about the gross sins we we talked about last time. Now, in verse 8, he says, for you were once darkness. Now, something I want us to notice. He doesn't say you were once in the darkness. I think that's important that we understand. He says, for you were once darkness. You yourselves, Here's here's what I think. As we walk with the Lord and as we mature with the Lord and grow in the Lord, sometimes we kind of forget what we were. And I think it's good to be reminded occasionally. Think about that person you were. When, when, when I think about it, when I sit and I'll start, you know, especially as I'm studying and doing things, and then I'll sit and I'll start thinking about I remember that guy, I remember that guy who didn't want anything to do with God, who stayed far away from God, and, and, and you know, I'm not gonna like bear all of my sins to you guys, because number one, we don't have time. Number two, it's none of your business. So, but I'm, I think of that guy, and I think how, how dark I really was. And he says, and here's what, here's what Paul is writing to that church. Remember, you were once there, That's what you were. And you have to keep in mind, it's not where you were, it's who you were, what you were. You were darkness. You did those things, and you did those things freely. And and here's what's weird. When we're in that sin place, we kind of think we're free. Here's what some people say, and I remember thinking this. I don't know how many of you thought this before you were saved. I used to think, I don't want to know God. It's too binding, Right? God puts all these restrictions on you. And when you're in sin, you think you're free. Now, here's what's crazy. It's just the opposite, right? When you're in sin, you're in bondage to sin, and you don't know it because you think it's free, but you're in bondage, and then you come to Jesus, and you're free, and, and you know, you're free to actually live the life that God has given you. So here's what, here's what he's saying. He says, hey, For you were once darkness, listen now, but now you are light in the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? You are, listen, you are light. He's not saying you're in the light. You're light. Peter writes, I think it's 2 Peter. Maybe it's 1 Peter. Well, you know what? Homework. (laughs) Go ahead and read 1 and 2 Peter. I love doing that. (laughs) Peter writes and he says, listen, you've been given that divine nature. Listen, he's not talking about, listen, when he says that, he's not talking about we've become God. Here's what's going on. We went from being darkness to being light. You and I are light. Listen carefully. We're not reflecting the light. We're light. He has changed us. And we need to understand that we're light in the Lord. Now, here's what I believe with all my heart. You know, when you, when you especially if you have something battery-operated, a flashlight, when it starts losing its power, the light gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And I believe as Christians, we are light. Some of us are not very bright. I'm not talking about intellectually. <laughs> because I know some of you are going there. 
not talking about the brightest bulb on the shelf. I'm talking about we're not shining brightly. Why? Because we have removed ourselves from the source. Again, not reflection. You need to get filled up. You need to be full so you can be light. So he says, listen, man, we're light of the Lord. I love, I love just thinking about that. Wherever you go, saints, wherever you go, you bring light to that situation. And I believe as believers right now, the world we live in and the chaos we're living in the middle of and all of this stuff going on, I believe, listen, I believe you and I have an opportunity and an obligation to bring light to that. Quit complaining about it being dark and shine a little brighter and be light. And so here's what he's saying. You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Now think of that group of believers and the darkness they were surrounded with and they're going, oh, I kind of like thinking about that. I kind of like thinking that we could change Ephesus. We could actually influence what's going on here. All we have to do, listen, all we have to do is be genuine to what we are. We're light. Don't be ashamed of being the light. Don't regret being the light. Don't be, don't be bashful. What did Jesus say? Don't put a stinking basket over it, whatever you do, right? So listen, man, we're light, and just like them, here's what I think. I think for this group of believers, I think at that moment, I, I believe, listen, as they're reading Ephesus, remember, once again, someone's sitting there reading a scroll to them, and I think they got to this part, and I think some people, <laughs> no pun intended, I think some light bulbs went off, right? Ding, 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 ding. And I think they thought, wow, think of what we could do. What could you and I do in our community if we were willing to shine our brightness in the darkness. So here's what he says, man. You are not light. I mean, I'm sorry, you were once darkness. You are now light in the Lord. And then here's, here's the kind of the command. Then walk as children in light. Oh, what a novel idea. Be who you are. Be true to who you are. And just go do it. I, when, hey, when I read that, I think, listen, and I think, well, that's kind of simple. He's not asking us to change. He's asking us to be who we are. Start walking in that. Start letting that, that shine from you and be that. And listen, I believe, I believe what he's talking about. I don't believe he's saying you and I need to go out and witness to everybody and preach to everybody and do all of that, although I think we should be sharing. But listen, I think he's more saying live your life so that your light shines. What's the little kid song? I'm gonna let this little light shine, right? I remember one time Gaynell and I were in Denver. We were doing some, the pottery presentation at Denver and, and they had some, in one area of the, the city, the, I don't even know the area, but they had these open houses that were like million dollar houses and they were, they were for sale and we thought, well, we'll, we'll go. They were really nice houses. But I remember we were walking behind this couple and this little girl, the dad's holding her and, and she was like three or four and she's, he's holding her and she's, they're walking along and she's singing, I'm gonna let this little light of mine shine. I thought, here's this little kid witnessing to everybody and here's all the adults like with baskets on their heads, right? <laughs> hey, come on. 
Here's what he's saying, man. Walk as children of the light. Now, that's not always easy. And sometimes, listen, sometimes, sometimes you're going to get ridiculed. You're going to get made fun of. You're going to get called things. Is that going to keep you from shining? Here's the thing in America, I don't think right now, I don't think we're facing horrendous persecution yet. It may come, I don't know. But isn't it kind of sad, and I'm talking about myself, that we'll back down at the least little thing, somebody makes fun of us, somebody gives us a, a, you know, the stink eye or something, and and all of a sudden we become quiet. Why? Why don't we have a right to shine? So think about that as we're, as we're doing this. Think about this group and having to face some of the things. And so, so then he says, listen, walk as children of the light for, in verse nine, for the fruit of the light. My Bible says spirit, but I think it should be light. If you look at different translations, most of them have light, and I think that's what he's talking about. Some people say light and spirit are interchangeable. I don't really look at them as interchangeable, but I think it should be light. For the fruit of the light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So here's what he's saying. Walk in the light. Walk as children of the light. Why? And he gives us that little parenthetical thing. This is what's going to happen when you do that. But I want to look at verse 10 for a moment, and we'll come back to that. He says, walk as children of the light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How can I find out what's acceptable to God? See, there's way too many of us. We, we say we want to know what God wants for us. We say we want to know, hey, Lord, what's, what, what exactly do you want me to do? But we're never willing to walk out there and try it. We're always going to, well, you know, and, and a lot of us, and I'm not picking on anybody in particular, I hope. Well, maybe I do hope I'm picking on you. But a lot of us will say, well, when this happens, then I'll do this. Oh, you know, I've heard people say, well, when my kids finish college, then I'll serve the Lord. Whoopie dingo, he is so excited <laughs> that when you're old and not worth anything, you're going to serve him. <laughs> Yay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. Pardon. No, but I mean, uh, here's what we do. When, uh, when I'm old and done with life, then I'll serve you. And God's going, oh, thank you so much. I'm in such trouble. <laughs> All right, let's pray and go home. Why do we do that? And we won't step out and we won't do something. I remember, I remember when we first started getting involved in any kind of ministry. Again, Al and I were, were saved. We hadn't been saved a long time. We kind of jumped into things kind of fast. But I remember the couple that had been discipling us, them and another couple had done a Jesus film in the language there, in the Tarahumata language, the Indian tribe they were working with. They had done all of the work. They had sent the film away. Back then, it took a year to get it dubbed. They got all of that done, and it was coming back, and I remember them saying, we just need some help to go as we go show this. We need, you know, we need people just to help us run the projector, do things, and I remember praying and praying and praying, God, give them some help. And then I remember one morning God said, 
uh, you're the help. <laughs> Go. And see, so often we're afraid of that, right? We, and, and so now some of you are never going to pray for a missionary because you're afraid. But listen carefully. We need to do that so what? We start walking as children of the light and we find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Are you going to mess things up? Absolutely. You are. You're going to mess things up spiritually. As a pastor, once again, I'm not going to reveal everything. I made a lot of mistakes over the years. But by making mistakes, you know what I found? I found what was acceptable to the Lord. And have I gotten ahead of the Lord? Yes. Have I gotten behind the Lord? Yes. Have I gotten totally out of God's will a couple times? Yes. Has God picked up the pieces? Every single time. And so we need to know, man, you start going and you're going to find out what is his good and acceptable Lord or, or will. We know that from Romans, and now he's saying it here. Now, going back to what he says here, because I can't get my comments out of my head, but as we, we get back here, here's what he says. He says, for the fruit of the light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, here's what I, we, we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. We know that from, from Galatians. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Those other things define our love, and etc. Now, here's what I find interesting. Here he gives us three things. Not a long list of things, just three things. Three small things. And here's what he says. This is the fruit of light. If you're walking in the light, listen carefully. If you're walking in the light, this is what's going to emanate from you as you walk in the light. This is what people are going to see about you. This is going to define you. This is going to define how you interact with them, the things you do with them. And they're going to go, oh, Wow, again, not what you say, who you are. This is your character. So first of all, he says goodness, right? He says the, 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 the fruit of the, uh, of the light is in all goodness. Goodness, now listen, there's a lot of words in the Greek, and I don't know Greek, but I, I use the, the different commentaries and stuff. There's a lot of different words for goodness. This particular one is talking about moral excellence, not so much, a, you know, something's better than something else or something's good. It's talking about moral excellence, and it says, listen, to moral excellence, to being good both in nature and effectiveness, so when he talks about goodness, it's not just who we are by nature, it's how effective we are. And we're going and we're doing that and people are seeing that. And, and listen, man, I read that and I think, I think, wow. Now listen, there's, there's one main one that talks about it being pleasant, you know, that kind of good. That's not it. He even uses it in Timothy. But here again, he's talking about that, that moral excellence that you and I have the opportunity to bring to a situation by Simply by this, by allowing to emanate from us the light that's already in us. We just need to get us out of the way. And we need to let that happen. And so he says goodness, and then he says righteousness. And again, righteousness, here's what I like. I think he, this righteousness is talking more about our relationship with God. I think the goodness is how our relationship is flowing with people. Righteousness is how our, our relationship's flowing with good. Very important, not self-righteousness, true righteousness. Because true righteousness really impacts people. 
When you are somebody who you are truly righteous, it impacts. You're not self-righteous. You're not going to go around about who was the most righteous person who ever lived? Jesus. What happened when Jesus showed up? People listened to him. And so you and I have that. And then the last thing he has here is truth. And, and, and uh, here, most, most of the commentators say that the, the word he's using is primarily to deal with integrity. How is your integrity in the, in the community? What do people say about you? What do people think about you? How are you when you interact? Do you blow up at people when they, when they do something wrong? Do you get mad at different vendors maybe sometimes? You ever have a deal go south and you're like, that's some really good integrity going on there. I read a story, it's been a while back, I think I, I, think I got it right, it's about Corey Ten Boom and her dad. And her dad, I don't know how many knows, her dad was a clockmaker or watch repair guy and stuff. And, and uh, I guess it was, this was obviously before they, they got captured by the Nazis, but they came in and they, Corey relates this and she says they were dead broke. I mean, they had nothing. And this guy came in and wanted a watch. And he was very wealthy, and he took the most expensive watch her dad had and said, you know, I'm going to buy this, and even handed him the money, however much it was. And I guess her little eyes popped. We're going to get to eat type thing. And then her dad asked the guy, why are you buying a watch? I see you have a watch. Why are you buying one? And he goes, well, I took this to the guy down next door, down the street or whatever, watch repair guy, and he couldn't fix it. The dad says, well, let me look at it. And he took it and opened it up and went dink, dink and gave it back. And he goes, here, your watch is working fine. And the guy said, okay. And he said, give me my money back. I'll give you your watch back and I'm happy. I got a watch. She couldn't believe. She goes, dad, why would you do that? And he said, what kind of man would I be if I didn't fix the guy's watch that I knew was fixable and my competitor down the street knew that I didn't fix it and take care of it. That's integrity, right? And then I love it. He goes, honey, don't worry about it. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We'll be fine. So you walk with that. So listen, man. And here's what you and I, in the midst of our world, the corruption, the chaos, the grossness, the things going on, are we gonna be those people who we have the fruit of the light, which is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Is that gonna be emanating as we go through the world? Uh, when we were talking in, in Hebrews this weekend, remember that fragrance we leave behind, right? And he talks about that in Corinthians. We leave the fragrance of Christ. So here's what he's saying. This is what you need to do. Now, here's the opposite of that. And here's some stuff we have to pay attention to. Verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, I think we get mixed up here. Number one, he doesn't say have no fellowship with people in the darkness. Because way too many Christians, listen, as Christians, I think we isolate ourselves way too much. 
I think, you know, we're afraid that if we hang out with sinners and unbelievers and, you know, like I like to say, we need good heathen friends. We're afraid like if we get too close to them, it's gonna rub off or something and it's dangerous. Listen, I think we should, how are you going to, how are you gonna minister to people if you don't hang out and you don't mix with them? Who did Jesus, who did Jesus eat most of his meals with? Sinners and tax collectors, right? I know he ate with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but most of the time, listen, he's out there. So we need to think about that. So he's not saying that. Listen, he's not saying, ooh, stay away from those people. Here's what he's saying. Stay away from the sin. But I think it's deeper. Here's what I think he's really getting at. You and I need to understand something. Number one, we need to not have fellowship with those in the church who name the name of Christ who are practicing darkness. Hmm. Now that gets kind of nasty, doesn't it? And people get a little uptight. And there's this thing called church discipline. And I believe we have an obligation to go to people who we know are sinning. You know, it's, it amazes me how many times people will come to me and tell me a little bit about somebody never naming them. You know, this is going on in your church. And I go, why aren't you doing something about it? Most of you never do your gross stuff in front of me. I don't know why. You just generally don't. When, whenever, whenever the military, whenever anybody's coming up for their, their uh, clearance stuff and the guys go out, you know, the guys investigate them. All of us have lived in this town enough, right? And the guys go out and they investigate. It cracks me up when they give them my name. People will come, the investigator will come. He goes, do you know so-and-so? And I would say, yeah. He goes to our church. Well, do you think he, do? I go, just stop right there. Do you think he's gonna do any of the things you're gonna ask me in front of me? I'm his pastor. Why are you asking me that stuff? Generally, people don't come and lie and cheat and steal and do all of that right in front of me. But you guys find it out, and then you go, why aren't you taking care of that? Why aren't you taking care of that? We have an obligation. Listen, and I'm not saying we need to be. Listen carefully. We don't need to be Gestapo. Do you know how you take care of sin in the church? Turn the light up. What happens to darkness when you turn the light on? It's gone. I remember working underground. You want to see dark? I worked underground 3,200 feet. You turn the lights off, trust me, there is no light. But you turn the light on, poof, the darkness is gone. What does light do? Number one, it dispels darkness. And number two, we're gonna read in a minute, it manifests things. So listen, he's not telling you and I we need to go be, you know, quote, fruit inspectors or we need to check people out. But if you know a brother or sister is doing something that's gross and immoral and dark, I think you have an obligation to talk to them about it. Why wouldn't you? Love cares. True love, biblical love cares. Hokey Fake love ignores. And when you ignore something, it's just gonna fester and grow and get worse and worse and worse. So he's saying we need to, listen, we need to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Do you remember in 1 Corinthians when Paul writes about the guy who was having immoral uh, relationship with his mother, right? Stepmother, I think it was. And, and that's pretty gross, right? 
And Paul had to write to them and say, you guys fix that. Every time I read that part of the letter, I'm thinking, really? Like nobody in the church thought it was a good idea to at least talk to them and say, what are you guys doing? Why are you doing that? And again, you don't have to be a Gestapo. You don't have to be a person hammering them. How did Nathan approach David? Remember when he came to David? He didn't come to David and go, you are a stinking sinner, man. I cannot believe that you're having sex with that lady and you killed her husband. Although he knew all that was going on. What did he tell him? Let me tell you a story, David. And you and I should care about people enough. Listen, when he's saying not to have fellowship, he's saying don't get involved in it. Don't be someone you're gonna get so close. And again, some of us, we, we like to live close to the dark. And we got our light turned way down. Turn your light up. Let it make things manifest. So he says, not only that, he says, listen, we're not to have fellowship, but rather we're to expose them. Again, how do we expose them? You don't expose them. I think one of the worst things you can do is try to do something publicly. That's gross. How do you expose them? More light, more light, more light. Have you ever noticed like when you go to the dermatologist, what does he do? He turns all the lights off in a room and goes like this. Well, I think you're okay. What does a dermatologist do? What does anybody, what does a dentist do when he's gonna drill in your tooth? Close his eyes, turn the lights out and go for it? What do they, they always have these big bright lights, right? When, it's, when they're gonna do surgery, if you've ever been in that room. They have huge bright lights, why? Light makes things manifest. Saints, turn the light on. If we get bright, the brighter we get, the less darkness we have. Hallelujah to think of it that way, huh? Because way too many of us, we want to be Gestapos, man. We want, you know, I know what you're doing. And blah, blah, blah. Stop it. Just turn your light up. Talk to one another. Be there for one another. So he says, listen, we're to expose it. And then he says in verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in uh, to speak of them in secret. Listen, we don't go around just talking about those things. And, and I, I think sometimes in the church in America, I think sometimes we try to glorify sin. Sin is gross. Sin is ugly. Sin is nasty. And it needs to be eradicated. I think of, I just think of surgery and, you know, I just had surgery for prostate cancer and I didn't ask the doctor, hey, could I keep that and hang out with that, you know, cancerous prostate and kind of keep it around? What do I want that for? I want that out of me. I want that gone. Shouldn't we be that way about sin? Shouldn't we be people that, hey, we don't want to talk about, uh, you know, you don't, you don't bring it home. Hey, can I bring my cancer home, put it on the shelf there so we can look? No, it's gross. You don't even do it in secret. You don't even hide it. You get rid of it. So let's stop glorifying sin. Let's be as a church, listen, once again, I think we need to be a church, that, uh, my, my prayer is that we're a church that we seek holiness. Again, I'm not talking about being self-righteous and uppity. I'm talking about people who are touched by the hand of God and dwelt by the Holy Spirit and shining bright for Jesus. And, and we've got our lights turned up 
and man, the world is knowing, and here's what happens, man. Darkness goes away, it gets dimmer and dimmer, and we have that obligation, so here's what he says, man. Don't even speak, don't even talk about those things in secret, but, verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Here's what, once again, you turn the light up, whoo, you see that stuff. Ladies, when you're fixing this, you guys have special mirrors, I hear, even. <laughs> they get a little bit brighter. Why do you want to do it? Now, do any of you ever put your makeup on in the dark? <laughs> you don't do it, do you? What do you use light for? Because why the light does what? Oh, it shows things. And it makes them manifest. Some of you guys are doing this too. But listen, man, it makes things manifest. And now you can see. And you can see clearly. Shouldn't we turn the light on? Shouldn't we do that? Isn't that kind of exciting? Listen, I'm a little excited because here's what I think. I think the church in America is, is in some ways way too over here liberal, but in other, word, other ways we're way too over here and we're telling people all what we're against, what we hate, what they're doing wrong, how ugly they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't we try to be like right here and just shine and do that thing. Listen, I don't think we should be way liberal over here and compromise, but I surely don't think we need to be finger pointers and yelling and screaming. And I'm not saying we need to be in the middle for the sake of the middle. I think that's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be bright lights. Yes, we care. Yes, we care about sin. We do not like sin. Sin is ugly. But you know what? Sinners can't do anything but sin. Have you ever figured that one out? It always bugs me when we try and fix sinners. Why do we try and fix sinners? We need to save sinners. We need to bring them to Jesus. We don't need to listen. We don't need to like, come on, let's prop this up. You, you know, you're a sinner. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, duh. I always want a sinner, I always want a sinner to go, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm a sinner. What's the matter with you, Christian? Oh, just shine a little light in there. Be that little girl. Let your little light shine. And then he says this, and I think this is for us. Listen, he says the light makes, exposes what is made manifest for light, in verse 13 again, for, uh, to the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, here's, therefore he says, now, now listen, let's think for a moment. Paul is like excited about these people. He's excited about reaching these people in, in Ephesus. He's been talking to them. He's been encouraging them and doing stuff. And then, and then here's what I love, man. He's saying, listen, you guys walk as children of the light. And I think he's a little bit excited. Where is Paul, by the way? You guys remember where he is? He's in prison, He's probably in some dark, nasty, stinking hole down under somebody's, you know, nice palace, just kind of rotting away. And here he is saying, hey, you guys need to be some light. And then, and then listen, as he's writing this, here's, here's what I think he thinks. This is maybe because I think God's given me the mind of a pastor because I'm kind of doing this. Here's what, I think, here's what I think Paul's thinking. They're kind of going, sure, yeah. 
Sure, we're gonna make a difference in Ephesus. You know how dirty it is out there? You know how ugly it is out there? We wanna hole up in our little, our little cloisters of Christianity because you know when we get together as Christians, we're all so holy and we gotta to stay together. And I think they're thinking, that. so here's what Paul, listen, this is great, man, verse 14. Therefore, he says, here's what Paul, now, I, I think, listen, as Paul says, therefore, he says, I'm thinking, who is he? Paul says, therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, I, I'm reading that, and a lot of people say he's quoting Isaiah 60, uh, verse 1. Isaiah 60, verse 1 doesn't exactly say that. So here's what I love. I think Paul is thinking about these guys. Come on! Right? Here's what I think he's saying. I think if he could, he would shake them. Wake up! Do you know what you can do in your sleep? Check this out. You know what you can do in your sleep? You can talk in your sleep. Do you know that? You can sing in your sleep. You can pray in your sleep. You can walk in your sleep. You get my point? You know what else you can do? You can worship in your sleep. Hmm. How many of you are asleep? Four four heads went up. Not me. (laughs) That was perfect. I'm not asking if you're asleep because I'm teaching. Everybody's, not me, not me, I'm awake. We had a guy in class one time this just has nothing to do with what the teaching. It's just great. We had a guy in class. I walked in, we walked in our class. This guy's asleep at a desk. The teacher's at the door. We all came in and sat down. Did our class. He was from the class before us. We did our class. He's still asleep. Teacher, shh, just go. We went. He, that guy went through four classes. He woke up in the middle of a class that wasn't his class. So anyway, so you know what else you can do? You can sleep in class. Here's what I believe. A lot of us are asleep. Not physically, spiritually. Wake up. Come on, wake up. Listen to what he's saying. He's telling you and I, he says, awake you who sleep. Here's what I love You can get out of that. You can change that. You don't have to stay in that place. This is is what I love about about God and Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. You don't have to stay there. You can make a choice to stay there. But here's what he's saying, man. Wake up, get out of there. And then I love this, arise from the dead. I don't want to be hanging out with dead people. That's funky, man. Cemeteries are kind of fun, but dead people. Dead people, man, it's just not good. He says, arise from the dead. Now, here's what I believe. Isaiah 60, verse 1, is a prophetic uh, prophecy about Jesus raising from the dead. But here's what I believe he's applying and changing a little bit. He's telling you and I, because Jesus rose from the dead, we can rise from the dead. Here's the deal. We're not darkness anymore, and we're not dead anymore. We're alive. Didn't he tell us that in chapter 2? He says, listen, man, you were once dead, but now you are alive. 
And he says, man, arise from the dead and quit hanging out with him. And here's the thing, and here's the promise underlying this, and Christ will give you light. Listen carefully. You don't have to go out and go, I'm going to be light. Where does my light come from? My light comes from Jesus. How do, I get, how do I get that dim light going again, man? If it's just flickering and it's just, don't you hate it when you get a flashlight and you turn it on and it's a, it's a drag, right? How do you get your, your light bright? By connecting to the source. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You and I connect to Jesus, you know what? The closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to shine. And the more others are going to see Jesus in you. And you just hang out with him. You hang out with him. Listen, you don't just do church, but you hang out with him 24-7. I love to remind myself, and I remind our staff every Tuesday and our men's prayer, uh, you know, when we're we're praying here on Wednesday morning. Here's what I remind everybody. It, we're not just when we, when we bow here that we're, we're gonna get up and we're gonna leave and God's gonna stay here and we're gonna go about our day. No, God goes, do you know he goes wherever you go? And how do you get close to the Lord? Here's all you have to do is bow your heart, right? You bow your heart, you're in his presence. And we need to be reminded of that. And how do I get my light? Listen, man, if I'm in the darkest of dark situations, where does my light come from? From bowing my heart and drawing close to the Lord. It might be through prayer. It might be through scripture. It might be through praise. It might even be through tears. But I'm drawing close to him and I'm getting light because here's what he's promised me. If I will wake up and pay attention Jesus will give me the light that I need. You know what I found in every situation of my life? That in the situation my man, God gives me enough light, enough grace to make it through that situation. All I have to do is turn to him and quit trying to do it on my own. That's what Paul is trying to get these people to realize. You're believers now, and here's what believers are. Listen carefully. He's not saying, here's how believers behave. Here's what believers are. Here's what they look like. They're light. Woohoo! And as they walk, they make manifest darkness. Hmm. Let's do it, huh? World's messed up. It's getting messier and messier. Sometimes, I, for the first time in eight days, I looked at a little news. I don't like to look at the news. I just looked a little bit. I didn't want to be ignorant. And I went, oh, I wished I was ignorant. <laughs> I looked at a little news, and here's what I thought, man. You and I have the greatest opportunity ever. It is so weird, so upside down. You know when we talk about goodness and integrity? The opposite of that is, remember what Isaiah says? They're going to call evil good and good evil. And they're going to call light dark and dark light. Woo! A little spooky, huh? You know how you combat that? Turn up the light. So here's what I want. Last week we went away. Get your hand out of the cookie jar, right? This week, here's what I want you to go away with. 
Turn up the light. I know some of you are going, that doesn't make sense. It should be turn on the light. No, turn up the light. You're already light. Just turn it up. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you. I thank you, God, for the challenge. That I think of that bunch of believers sitting around there in Ephesus and looking at what's going on and the difficulties and, and things that they're facing. And, and then here you kind of, quote, drop this bomb on them. And you just sort of remind them, here's what you are. Here's what you were. Here's what you are. Not here's what you can be. Not here's what you will be. But here's what you are. And Lord, I pray, I pray that we would get the understanding of all that that means. That this is what we are. And that as believers in Jesus Christ, that Lord, we wouldn't be afraid that somebody's gonna call us a old-fashioned or a Puritan or, or somebody that's you know, intolerant or negative or whatever term they might use. They might even use some really gross things. But God, we wouldn't be afraid of that. Lord, that we would shine and we would let the world know how great our God is and that he could take a person like us and change us and make us into what we are today. So Lord, be glorified in our lives. Be exalted in our lives. And I'm gonna ask everyone to stay in an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here tonight and, and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never come to the place where you've asked him to forgive your sins, to come into your life. Listen, if you've not done that, you can't be this light we're talking about. You have to have that relationship with him. So if you've not done that, we wanna give you the opportunity tonight to do that to just take this time right now and call on his name. And the Bible says, if you call on his name, you will be saved. And by that, listen, by that, here's what we mean. That you come to the Lord and you let him know that you know you're a sinner. He already knows you're a sinner. You're not informing him, but you're letting him know that now you realize it and that you're sorry for your sin. And then ask God to forgive you. And here's what I know, man. Jesus died on the cross so you could be forgiven. He took the punishment that you deserve, that separation that you deserve, he took it upon himself so you could be free from the bondage of sin. So if you want that reality in your life, I'm gonna say a prayer. And you can say this prayer with me, you can say it out loud, you can say it silently, you gotta say it from your heart. Maybe you backslidden. And you know what? Tonight is the night to come forward. Just be that person that you're gonna front slide. You're gonna come home. You're gonna come back to Jesus. Again, if you're at home and you're watching us online, you can say the prayer right there. You don't have to be here to say the prayer. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And God, tonight, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And now I'm asking you 
to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.